everyone, and welcome to Sharing Everything. We are your hosts, Joe and Katie Balecki, and we are married, and we like making each other watch movies we like. Joe, what did we watch this week? This week we watched Begin Again. Begin Again. Begin Again. Is it like that that childhood nursery nursery rhyme? Be, uh, there's something Michael Finnegan, he grew fat and then grew thin again. I don't remember that Begin song. Again. Okay. Anyways, so, oh, I just said that and I hate it when I say that. What did you just say? Anyways. Oh, yeah. No, that's not a word. That's not a word. Anyway, would you like to uh, tell us what this movie was about? Um, Mark Ruffalo is a lonely drunk who um, is divorced. I just watched another Mark Ruffalo movie, so I'm, <laughs> I just watched Spotlight, too, so I need to keep everything straight in my head. Was he lonely and drunk in that movie also? Um, no, he was kind of weird. He was playing Puerto Rican. Oh. Too, which was, which was odd. I don't know. I, I don't know if the real guy that he that character was based on. That's not the movie we're talking about no, this it's week. Not. We're talking about <laughs> Begin Again. Uh, Mark Lo- Ruffalo is a lonely drunk. He started an independent record label, which is now not doing great or something. I guess the music industry isn't doing great I th- because no one wants to pay for music anymore. No, I th- I don't think it was the music industry. I think it was he and his oh, he partner ju- were having like a... He just sucks at his job. Yeah, they were having like a rift and it he, was sort he, of affecting the label. He hasn't broken a, a good band in a while. Yeah. That's right. So, so not common... Because I guess that wasn't common. No, it wasn't common. It, it was just some guy. Kind of looked like common. I guess I'm just racist. Aww. So not common says you sh- you should be fired. Mm-hmm. And Ruffalo says, fire me. No, I quit. Or something like that. Basically, he wasn't happy about it. And he takes all his art off the wall. Yeah, he, he, he very awkwardly tries to carry very <laughs> large art home. Later, he goes to a bar where fat British comedian guy... James Corden. That's the one. <laughs> does he have like a late, late, late show? Yeah. Okay. He does. That's that's the guy. Yes. Okay. James Corden. James Corden brings Kira Knightley, who I guess is British? Yes, yeah, she is British. Well, you learn something new every day. Brings her to some open mic night thing that he's doing where mm-hmm. she sings her song where Mark Ruffalo hears it and then hallucinates a bunch of other <laughs> instruments playing because he's so drunk mm-hmm. and then says, I want to sign you to my label, which he doesn't work at anymore. Correct. And she says no, um, but like any good man, he knows that no means yes, and he continues to pursue her until <laughs> she changes her mind to yes. And he even says, but you're so beautiful. And she's like, what does that have to do with it? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. no one's ever made sold records by being beautiful before. Mm, yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. Um. And then, so she eventually says, sure, I'll make a record with you. And she and him decide to do it all outside. Yes. And then they do. Yes. And then they release it for free. Yes. And don't go through the label at all anyway. Okay. And then they sell a lot of copies and not common says, wow, <laughs> I should have listened to you the whole time, Hulk. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, 
based on your your description there, it kind of sounded like you didn't like it very much. No, I did like it. I gave it four stars when I rated it on on the Netflix. Okay. Um. Well. It's more the the minutia that I liked than the yeah. sort of idea of it. Yeah, there were a lot of really cool, like tiny details in this movie, mm-hmm. and like tiny plot points, and like even just the way that the the movie was like not the movie the story was told which we'll get into that too so you liked it you gave it four out of five mm-hmm. which you know is pretty good score that's about the highest i give things i give things fives if i anticipate watching them again mm-hmm. okay um so one of the main themes of this movie as one can you know sort of excavate from the title begin again is you know starting over oh i forgot the whole adam levine subplot when i told the yeah. story okay well, well we'll get to that oh well it's it's simple uh kira knightley comes to america with her her boyfriend adam levine who is not adam levine in the movie correct but is actually adam levine in the movie fun fact mm-hmm no, I should probably save this for trivia. Keep were, going. were they dating at the time or something dumb no. like that? No. The should I say it now or should I wait? It's just it's just a little thing. Well, does it have to do with the character's name? Adam Levine? No, that's not the character's <laughs> name. The character's name was like Dave. No, Cole, it doesn't. Okay, continue. Which is not Dave Grohl. Which is I was wondering it's, if yeah, they were Dave Cole. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering if they were like throwing shade on dave grohl or something which is weird because i thought everyone likes him does everyone like dave grohl i feel like everyone likes dave i don't think so really who doesn't like dave grohl i mean (coughs) i mean i don't like uh i don't know i don't care enough about him to like him anyways (laughs) sorry dave grohl um anyways so yeah she comes to america and and then and then and then fame so he breaks up with her because he wants to sleep with the asian intern yeah receptionist now wants to did did and then breaks up with her because he wants to see where it goes yeah which is stupid which yeah it's although if she would have stayed with him after he did that she is stupid this is true um anyway so it's a subplot and basically he comes crawling back to her and says you're awesome and this little intern uh turns out uh, it's not fun to have sex with people that like do it just because you're a musician mm-hmm. and don't actually like you, um, especially when you had someone who likes you. Correct. Um, okay. So starting over. Oh, oh. Yes. So the two characters, the two main characters, Kira Knightley and the Hulk have a parallel character arc because they both start out being left by something important in their life mm-hmm. and then end up being offered that again and then they don't go for it they continue on in in the other direction kind of yeah well because common broke up with the hulk yeah but and and adam levine broke up with um the will smith's no william turner what was the name of orlando bloom's character and parts (laughs) of the caribbean will will turner will turner so will will turner's wife and adam levine broke up and common and the hulk broke up Yes. However, the um, duh, now that you keep saying the Hulk, I can't remember his real name. Mark Ruffalo. Lou Ferrigno. <laughs> Mark Ruffalo. He uh, he 
started the movie being estranged from his wife and then at the end they kind of hint that they you know get back together do they yeah at the end they're listening to their music on their little oh yeah because because kira knightley hands him the splitter back again yeah she mails it to him Yeah. yeah um so he sort of got his romantic relationship back but kira knightley didn't but i would say she is better for it um so the 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 notion of starting over i was trying to count how many different characters in this movie were starting over so we've got um greta who is kira knightley oh yeah i never even said the character's name yeah Greta, she is starting over for the reasons you just sort of named. She came to America with her musician boyfriend, got kicked to the curb, and is sort of like, well, what now? Um, And then um, Mark Ruffalo's character, who I think his name is Dan. His name... Oh, that's something else, too. It's also a trivia bit that maybe I'll save for the end. I won't tell you you that. Um, Dan is starting over because he is sort of kicked out of the relationship of his business partner record job thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also starting over a relationship with his daughter, um, whose name I can't, uh, Violet. Mm. Um, Violet is starting over. She's sort of reinventing herself because she was dressing kind of provocatively and she was going in the wrong direction, trying to get attention um so she's starting over um and then i feel like there's somebody else that i'm missing but i can't think of who i guess sort of dave dave cole he's kind of starting over yeah but and i don't really care about his starting over i didn't like him um so yeah i guess a lot of people in this movie are starting over um Mm -hmm. sort of like a new beginning kind of thing and yeah, like, a, like a motif yeah and i kind of like that sort of i don't know if you would call it a trope would you call that a trope where multiple characters are sort of going through big similar life changes at once no i'd call that like a literary device okay i sort of like that i like that you can that characters have similar life events but they're not the same it's just sort of like you can see echoes of their trials and tribulations through somebody else yeah um i mean that feels real to me right yeah like that's how people become friends and form relationships is because very often they tend to be going through things in their lives that the other person can identify with mm-hmm. and vice versa mm-hmm. so yeah i mean that that makes sense yeah um do you think that the characters any slash all slash none of the characters were better off at the end of the movie than they were at the beginning i think everyone was better off except for maybe the host of the late late show he was no i feel like he was better off too because he was he was um he was playing guitar on a street corner when Greta ran into him in New York, mm-hmm. I think is where they were. Um, and then he helps produce this album. That's true. He has this big, meaningful life thing going on. That's true. I guess I guess so. His um, friendship with Greta seemed to grow stronger, too. Sure. CeeLo Green? 
maybe. He he seemed to pretty be pretty, pretty level. He was. I he mean, was, he was already successful. Yeah. Um, I can I believe that that was actually CeeLo Green in real life, and he didn't know he was making a movie. <laughs> that could be. <laughs> yeah, the, he had a character name, but I don't remember what it was. Was it? Yeah. I, oh yeah, that's right. He had it a was. Name. It was. I think they only said it like twice. Like it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Like it. Hey, CeeLo Green's in this movie. Yeah, like Adam Levine. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the Hulk. His, his dumb beard <laughs> thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, even Adam Levine's character is better off. Like, he, he becomes stronger because he was sort of, at the beginning, just riding off the fact that he was a rock star and not mm-hmm. really, like, having any agency in his life. Yeah. Um, definitely Violet. I mean, Mark Ruffalo's, I guess, Dan mm-hmm. Dan's wife still didn't have the hot European guy that was... Supposed I to leave his about wife that for him. Story. When we were watching it, yeah. that storyline, I was like, oh, I completely forgot about that. That really sucks. Um, yeah, so it was like she was, she, I forgot how she met this person. So for some reason, and it's not central to the plot, no, so it not doesn't at matter. All. For some reason, she went to Europe for a long time without her family. Yeah, yeah. so it must have been for work or school yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. She goes to Europe for a long time, which men. Don't let your woman go to Europe for a long time without you. Hey, I went for two weeks they, without they you. They always leave you. I didn't leave you. <laughs> That's true. You were with your aunt. You did meet a guy who had a crush on you, though. That guy from Texas or whatever yeah. that was at the place. Yeah. That Kyle but, dude. Yeah. Hey, shouts but, out to you if you're listening, bud. Hey. We are Facebook friends, and so the fact that you want me to make a Facebook page for this is going to be kind of weird if you listen to this. Do it. Hey. Anyway. What's up, bud? <laughs> um, especially if you're in a movie, though. Well, yeah. Every time a woman in a movie goes to Europe, she finds a hot dude and they bone. Every time. Literally every movie, a woman goes to Europe by herself that is not a European woman. Can I can I do a little tangent here? I know we're in a tangent inside a tangent. Tangent it up. Okay, so I tried to get you to watch this movie before. Not this movie that we're currently talking Mm -hmm. about, but the one I'm about to bring up. Leap Year? Yes! How did you know I was Because I don't want to watch it. <laughs> okay, so so this Leap Year movie, do you know anything about it? She has a boyfriend, and she goes to Europe, and she meets a hot Irish dude, and guess what? They get married. No, okay, but you're... No, you're wrong. <laughs> I mean, you're kind of right, but you're wrong. Okay. Okay, so she's, she's dating Adam Scott. Okay. Do you know who that is? I'm sure I do. He's he's Ben in Parks and Rec, okay. and he's the guy from that other show. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, so she's dating him, and then she thinks he's about to propose to her at the beginning of the movie, but he just like gives her some earrings or something, mm-hmm. and then he goes what off. What a jerk! <laughs> and then he goes off on a business trip to Ireland. Okay. And then she, I don't know how she stumbles across this information, but she finds this um this folklore legend thing about in ireland where if you go to if a woman goes to ireland or is in ireland during a leap year and she proposes to her boyfriend they'll get married and live happily ever after so she decides to go to ireland so that she can propose to her boyfriend so they'll live happily ever after and so her there's like a big storm and so she can't get on the plane that's taking her to dublin or wherever so she's in like some off the beaten path place and she mm-hmm. can't get to dublin so she finds this taxi driver and he'll say he says that he'll take her but then there's a and she thinks he's cute and all this stuff and so there's like mishaps and so they end up spending the entire movie together 
like in this little love-hate relationship kind of thing. And then finally, she gets to Dublin. She sees her boyfriend. Um, and then he proposes to her mm. instead of her proposing to him. Oh, no. And What a bastard. <laughs> but, okay, no, but really he is because listen to this, okay? So at the beginning of the movie... <laughs> The look you're giving me right now. I don't even know what that means. Um, um, At the beginning of the movie, they try to get this fancy apartment together in Boston that's really hard to get into. Um, And they put in their application. And then um, while he's in Dublin on his business trip, he gets a call from the apartment people. And they say, so what's your relationship status? Are you guys married? Are you planning to get married? And then it sort of clicks in his head that they're only going to get this apartment if they're married. Mm-hmm. So he proposes to her so that they can get this really swanky apartment. Oh. <laughs> and so then they go back to Boston and they're, you know, wedding planning and stuff. And then the girl, I think her name is Anna, she realizes she's not happy. So then she goes back to Ireland and proposes to the other guy. Yeah, so that's what I knew that the movie was about. Yeah, but it was, I just, like, it, it was different. Like, it wasn't so straightforward. I mean, she doesn't leave him in the first, like, ten minutes of the movie. It sounds like it's past the 45-minute mark. But, yeah, I mean, it's a rom-com where a woman goes to Europe. Like, she's going to end up screwing the European dude. Anyway. <laughs> like, every write in. Sharingeverythingshow at gmail.com. Send us an email and tell me about a movie wherein a woman goes to Europe by herself and doesn't end up having sex or falling in love or marrying a man who is from Europe. Do it. I challenge you. And I will tell you this never happens. <laughs> okay, so the story that's actually related to the movie that we watched. Right, so so Mark Ruffalo's wife goes to Europe and ends up screwing some dude who is also married. And so they decide that they're in love and at the end of whatever it was that they were doing, um, when the their each respective spouse was coming to the airport to pick them up, they would tell them, well, actually, we're in love now, so you guys go, you know, blow a balloon, and we'll, <laughs> we'll um, be in love, and uh, sorry, not sorry, hashtag. Um, which Mark Ruffalo's wife does... And uh, yeah. other dude does not. Womp, womp. So Mark Ruffalo basically goes, well. You didn't want to be with me. Yeah. So he's the one who gets to move out of his nice house and into a crappy apartment mm-hmm. um, and gets to be away from his daughter. And then every time he gets home, just gets scolded by his wife who was going to leave him for being a bad father. Yep. Because that's how it goes. Sure does. Um, which is why I thought it was a little dumb that at the end, um, they were looking like they were going to start getting back together. Because, like, if it were me, like, that's not something that I could ever recover from. Like, even if years down the road she says, you know, I made a big mistake, um, I can see how my actions led you down this path of alcoholism and nihilism and everything. And I'm sorry, and you know, I really do care about you, and I love you. I was just away from you for too long, and that's a weakness for me, or whatever. Which is none of these things she even said in the movie. She mm-hmm. never really acknowledges in the movie that she was wrong, right? right. Um, which she was, for the record, everybody. Yes. Um, like, that's still not something I could recover from. No. Like, I would just be like, no, no. 
No, you you go away. You leave now. Well, I will say that I think when it's actually you, you might feel a little differently than you. Th- not. Can I'm you not, not say when? <laughs> no, I'm saying like in general, hypothetically, when you collective everyone you are in that situation, you don't know for sure how you will react. Because for him, he didn't have a lot else going on in his life, and he was really trying to put things back together. So you can kind of see where that would be sort of appealing to him. To Well, yeah, because it's the safe option. Right. And, you know, he is... I mean, I'm not saying it was right or whatever. And we don't even know for sure that they're starting a romantic relationship again at the end of the movie it could have just been a friendship because listening to the music was the same thing he did with greta yeah and they didn't end up doing it no which i really loved oh me too i loved that they did not have a romantic relationship they just were friends yeah it was great um yeah that was like one when i first saw the movie the for the first time Mm -hmm. i was like i can already tell where this movie is going and i was so happy that it didn't go there yeah it didn't it would it there were so many other cool things in the movie it would have just mm-hmm. padded the running time and watered the story down like it yeah. did not need to be there like that's kind of what i was thinking the movie was going to be too it's just mm-hmm. like a romantic comedy about music yeah um this i don't know if this is going to make sense this is something that i was thinking about while we were watching the movie it felt like a really big movie uh, okay. And I don't know what do you mean by if that? I'm going to be able to articulate this well, but it felt like it was a movie that encompassed a lot of people, places, things, moments, all at once, to like together. I don't know how to explain what I'm trying to say, but it was like it. It didn't feel like an overly long movie. It no. didn't feel like an overly complex movie. No. But at the same time, like, I'm sitting there thinking, wow, there was so much packed into this movie. It just felt so large. I don't know if that makes any sense at all. But, like, maybe it's because it didn't do the expected things that made me feel like that. Maybe. Well, and also just the fact that there were lots of nice musical montages where they're playing out in the city. Mm-hmm. So you get, like, it does feel big spaciously because they're in all these different locations in New York and interacting with all these other, like, characters, like the kids during the first part where mm-hmm. they're, you know, and, and everything. So, yeah, I can agree with that. Like, yeah, it does feel like the scope of the movie is pretty big. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so I thought there were a lot of really interesting relationships in this movie. Um, there were, like, a lot of interesting dynamics of relationships um there's you know the main categories of relationships you've got friendship you've got Mm -hmm. um romantic relationship you've got like um uh family Mm -hmm. and then other people like co-workers or acquaintances or stuff like that yeah so i thought that they were really in this movie the different types of relationships were all sort of portrayed really interestingly okay like i thought it wasn't like none of it really it specifically in the relationships none of it really felt cliche yeah which i liked um i mean the father-daughter relationship was a little bit you think i mean like it didn't end up but yeah like dad's so lame 
Oh, you're not leaving my car dressed like that. Where's my daughter? I mean... I mean, that's definitely how it was initially set up. Yeah, it, but it... grew it, into something yeah, else, and it grew into something else without, like, the cheesy way that they normally do, like they would in any sort of, like, family road trip movie or anything. Yeah. There was one line in particular where I felt like that relationship in particular felt really nuanced, I guess. Okay. Where... Toward the end of the movie, I don't think it was, like, the end of the movie, but just sort of getting there, mm-hmm. um, Dan says to Violet, he's like, he says, I love you, kid, or something like that, and she just sort of, like, looks at him and says, I know, Dad, and then she gets out of the car and goes inside. She she pulled a Han Solo. That's a lost reference. Oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I'm not a... I'm not uh. <laughs> But I thought that was a really nice moment. Yeah. Like, I feel like it showed their relationship. It was much nicer in uh, Empire Strikes Back. Okay. I'll just... Anyway. So, it was... Like, I liked that it wasn't super happy. What is that face you're making? What were you going to say? Oh, no. I was thinking of another thing I liked with the father-daughter relationship where she... Where Greta says to Violet, hey, you should play guitar on one of our songs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then so he, so Mark Ruffalo goes inside and talks to, to Skank Wife and says, you know, Greta wants her to play, you know, mm-hmm. on this thing. And she's like, but she's no good. And he goes, I know, she's terrible. She's terrible. She's not good at playing guitar. What are we going to do? Mm-hmm. Um, and then she ends up being, you know, great. Well, yeah. She definitely exceeded everyone's expectations. Yeah. She wasn't like the Mozart of the guitar or mm-hmm. anything. Um, but yeah, I thought that was actually a really, I don't know if I would call it like clever sort of It felt more thing. real. Yeah, it right? did. Like I just, I didn't understand why her parents thought she was bad to begin with. Because of the dad, like he had never heard her play before. Well, he didn't know if she was going to be any good. Like he said to Greta, like, dude, I don't know if she's good enough to be on this record. Yeah. Um. And then the mom says she's bad, but, you know, she might have had her own motives or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. we we as an audience don't know either, so it might have just been... Yeah, we saw her strumming once while she was lying on the yeah, bed or she, something. Yeah, not playing. She yeah. was fiddling. Yeah. If, if that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's a thing. Yeah, um, so I thought that the father-daughter relationship was probably one of the strongest in the movie. Um, it like it definitely had the least screen time out of any of the relationships, but at least th- any of the primary ones. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was really well done. Like that felt like a really real, authentic, sort of estranged father daughter rekindling their relationship sort of thing. Yeah, and I thought that was pretty cool. Um, did you have a favorite relationship of the movie, or like a favorite growth of? something in the movie i mean just the two main characters i was invested dan in and them greta. Dan, dan and greta the hulk and uh bop it bop it that's what they called her in the first parts of the caribbean bop it yeah like the Hello, like the twist it. pop it was it pop it i don't know british like, people it. man they're weird <laughs> whatever we Who said cares? bop it i was thinking the twist it bop it spin it yeah well that makes sense that's that yeah that 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 follows the context clues pretty well. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I was just invested in, in their own like relationships to themselves and to each other growing. Yeah. I, I couldn't decide, like I said, there's a point at the beginning where I thought that they were going to fall in love and everything. Um, I couldn't really figure out when it was that I realized, yeah, they're not doing that. I was trying to like pinpoint it where the moment could have split off into one of two ways and is they chose the Is that the during during the movie, during the end when they're looking at each other and you went, Oh. No. Or was that something that else? That was something else. Oh, okay. But I also forgot what that was in reference to. Uh, <laughs> um, no, it was early on in the movie. Okay. I'm not sure what it was. It's not important. I just thought it would be interesting to pinpoint so that like I can, you know, sort of recognize that as a as a way to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe um, I'm just too cyn- cynical and I've been watching too many bad movies lately, but like up until the very end, I was like, so is this where they make out now? Well, there is was this where they make out now. There, like, because it like there weren't even hints that that was going to happen. I was just waiting for it to happen. No, because there that's was what a hint happens. that was going to happen. Really? Yeah. When the, it was, I can't remember the events leading up to it, but it was when, Dan and Greta come back to the apartment where she's staying with James Corden's character, whose name I don't know, and they look around, and then all of a sudden he pops out from behind the cupboards oh, in the that, kitchen. That was and like they a sort story of look beat. disappointed. That was a story beat that did well. The way that he like popped in was very much like cockblocker friends. Yeah, yeah. So I can't. I wish I could remember what happened leading up to that moment. But like, yeah, I totally got the vibe. And but I feel like at the same time that that was after when I said, yeah, they're not going to do that. Mm. So it sort of like caught me off guard, guard, off guard that they sort of went back to that sort of feeling. I don't know. Um, um, Yeah. So the family relationship between Dan and Violet was pretty cool their dan and greta's friendship was pretty cool um i hated adam levine's character with a burning passion yeah as you were supposed to and the evolution of his facial hair to douchebag quotient that was pretty great yeah well that's sort of the signal that the label is changing him right it was the physical representation of how being taken over by the industry Mm -hmm. because he's the you know, he's the symbol for giving in, which is probably why she was so opposed to Mark Ruffalo giving her all these suggestions about like, well, wear different clothes, mm-hmm. be a little bit more confident on stage. And like, that's it. That's all you need to do. And she's like, I'm going to be me. Yeah. Unapologetically. Um, so, yeah, like the two of them do represent that. Like, I want to be a pop star and I want to be an artist Mm -hmm. type of thing that, that happens in music a lot. Yeah. It kind of took me a minute to catch on to, I guess both times I watched it, it took me a minute to catch on to, um, the fact that Dave, right. That's Adam Levine's character. Yeah, Yeah. Dave, that he, his music was featured on a movie soundtrack. And that's why he got this record deal. deal. Mm -hmm. Um, Because they kept saying, this is going to be the same sound as the movie, right? And I was Mm -hmm. like, what are they talking about? Um, And then I was just wondering, like, how does one get their movie on a, or their songs on a movie soundtrack without being famous first? Or at least having a record deal? Well, if you do release your music on YouTube, which it looks like they were doing, Mm -hmm. 
Um, music supervisors will go looking for songs that are cheap to get and are iconic sounding, and hmm. YouTube is a good place to do that. Because you can get a song for real cheap um, that might sound good, and if it's kind of an unheard of song, mm-hmm. if it's like the main song in your movie, that can be really good for your movie because then you can market the movie against the song. Mm-hmm. And then that's beneficial for the artist too because they're being promoted in a very heavy way with the marketing budget of a movie. Yeah. Right? Which is generally like the production budget. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the size of the production budget. So, you know, if they spent $50 million on this movie... um. And they're marketing the movie against the strength of the song. That song is getting a $50 million marketing budget. Yeah. Uh, which most musical artists don't get. Yeah. Whereas if you use an established artist and you have them make a song for the movie, it can oftentimes fall flat. Or mm-hmm. if you use one of the songs that they already have, the movie doesn't become iconic. People are just going to the movie to hear the song. Yeah. And it can cost you up like $30,000 to get the rights to that song. Hmm. Um, so yeah, people will try to use, that's why if you look at like teen movie soundtracks, mm-hmm. it'll be like featuring blah, 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 blah. And it's a band you've never heard of before, yeah. but it's a good song. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you never hear from that band again because it's not a good way to yeah, get your music no. heard, turns out. Yeah, probably not. Um, so speaking of music. Obviously, music was a very big component of this movie. That's right. (laughs) Thanks for weighing in. Um, So, in some ways, parts of this movie reminded me of last episode's movie, Frank. Which was also about music. No, it was about the journey of making an album. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, in weird ways. In weird ways. And not just going to a recording studio and recording an album. Yes. Oh. 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 Look <laughs> at you. Tie in threads. Yep. You should, Tying them right You should up. make me a sweater because you're so good at knitting things together. <laughs> I don't know. That was dumb. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> um, so there's one, there's one specific moment in this movie that like sort of encapsulated how i feel about music oh yeah there was and it's probably it's probably not a big thing like a big earth-shattering revelation but i have that's always how i felt about music and so to have them actually say it in this movie it was so cool for me to actually have the words to say how i feel about music so there's a quote in this movie it's between Dan and Greta. Okay. And I will be playing both parts of Dan and Greta. Okay. Do the voices. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> uh, try. Dan. <laughs> no, because if I do that, it's going to take away from... Okay. The, okay. Okay. Dan. That's what I love about music. Greta. What? <laughs> Dan. One of the most banal scenes is suddenly invested with so much meaning. All these banalities, they're suddenly turned into these... Beautiful, effervescent pearls from music. First of all... So that's where they're sitting by the... They're just sitting, like, looking at the city at night. That's after they do their little 
their little walkthrough of the city, listening to music together, sort of seeing things. Mm -hmm. Like, that moment, like, when, when he said that, I just felt like this moment of... Not like uh, the only word I can think of is like catharsis, but I don't need catharsis, so I don't know what what word I'm trying to 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 place hold there. Mm-hmm. But like when he said that, I just connected with it so much because that's so true. Yeah. Um. Like I think they were looking at like garbage men or something when he said this, but they had like a song going on, and it sort of looked like they were moving with the beats of the song yeah. or something. And that was just so cool to me because. Have, okay, I'm sure you have. Have you ever been like in the car and it's raining and you're looking out the window and you're listening to music and you feel like you're in like a music video or something or like a movie? Oh, yeah, all the time. Yeah, like that music connects me to real life, I feel like. Yeah. And it sort of just like enhances life. Mm-hmm. Also... He used my favorite word of all time in that quote, and I was just like, yeah, perfect. Moist? Ugh, no. <laughs> did he say the word? I don't think he did. Effervescent. Mm, That's my favorite Everyone word likes effervescent, time. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Anyway, what do, you, what, what do you think about that? I think that's right. That's, that's why a lot of the more difficult music I enjoy listening to, I enjoy listening to. Why? Because it puts a different lens on the world that you wouldn't normally have. Like, mm. because everyone likes, like, you know, like the music that was in this movie, the, like, indie pop sort of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because, yeah, like, if I'm feeling good, it makes me feel better. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's the mood enhancer for an already enhanced mood, or it cheers you up, or people, like, break up songs when they're, they've been broken up with, or whatever. Um, you know, everyone likes Adele because it makes them feel like they can be a strong woman too. <laughs> um, and I feel the same way about like drone music or gore grind or something <laughs> like walk through the woods, listening to something loud and angry, but also while looking at birds and stuff. And it, it changes the way that you, you view the world. Like, Cause yeah, you can use, you can use music to look at, at everything and, and sort of like the simplistic way that, that it's often used. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can also sort of bring to light, like the depths of the world, like the fact that everything is so chaotic and so unlikely and really violent. Like people mm-hmm. love being out in nature because it's peaceful, but nature is so violent. <laughs> like there, there are tiny bugs all over the place, killing each other and, eating things like all like at any point in time and that's just the bugs like the the birds are constantly looking for things to eat the mm-hmm. squirrels are constantly looking for things to eat there are things lurking around waiting to eat the squirrels um and so yeah no i i totally agree with that and i think that people should take it further than they normally do yeah um because they said it very much in that sort of like yeah, you know you you wouldn't just sit on a park bench and watch storefronts at night, mm-hmm. um, just listening to like the normal sound, unless you're like a weird field recordist <laughs> or something. You know, um, listening to music makes that boring time bearable, which is why the iPod did so well. Yeah, you know, um, but like 
yeah i i think that the door that that opens up if people are willing to walk through that door is an important door yes jamma the musical adventure yeah everyone there you go. on itunes <laughs> um something else about this movie that is obviously one of the the big deals of this movie mm-hmm. is her recording her album yeah um and so what they did is they they couldn't get studio time with the record company or whatever because he's just kind of like she doesn't even have a demo yeah don't do this this isn't how things are done if you go record something i'll listen to it but i'm not going to help you make it and then they're like well we don't have any money so what are we going to do and so then i think it was greta who came up with the idea Unless I'm mistaken. I think, no, it, was, I think it, was, it was Dan. Yeah, he did. He said, we're going to use... Well, because that's the point of his character is that at one point he was a visionary. Oh, that's true. Um, we're going to use New York City as our studio. and Which just remind me of that ASAP, not Rocky, the other one, ASAP Ferg yeah. song on his album Trap Lord, where he says, I got to close the window because New York don't know how to be quiet. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, dude, you should have seen Begin Again. Yeah. <laughs> this big man from Trinidad who makes trap music hasn't seen a Kira Knightley movie with Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> um, so they really do. They go out to like different locales throughout the city mm-hmm. and they use the ambient noise as their, you know, backup to the song. And it was really cool. Um, and I'm not as big of a music person as you are, so mm-hmm. I don't know, like, A, is that plausible to do? Like, would it just be a train wreck if somebody actually tried to do that in real life? And B, like, is that even legal? No, and <laughs> and they, they, they talk about that in the movie, how, like... Well, I saw they got chased away by some cops. Yeah, well, they talk about that when they're planning it. It's like, w- what if the cops come? And he's like, we just keep rolling. <laughs> Which he immediately then, like, cuts out when the kids are playing ball in the street. And he's like, how much, you know, if I give you kids a dollar, will you hold off for a little bit? And they're like, no, give us cigarettes. Mm -hmm. And then he has them sing on the thing. Um, Yes, you can do it. Okay. Would it turn out well? I don't know. Would it be... Like, you would have to... How would I do it? It would have to be I don't know. Like there would have to be some level of orchestration to it. Mm-hmm. Um there would have to be a decent level of planning. But I mean there's plenty of songs that like use like a city bus pulling up or something. Mm-hmm. You know, like um Clipping has a song where he he's like rapping into a payphone. On an answering machine. Um, They also use, like, the sounds of overpass and stuff as ambience. So, I mean, it can be done. The reason why people like to record in studios is because if you record somewhere quiet, you can add that stuff in later. Mm. Once something goes on tape, it doesn't necessarily go off tape. And based on the montages where they're like telling people to turn things up or turn things down or move that like auxiliary boom Mm -hmm. mic around and just the fact that they weren't carrying around a huge mixer what it sounds like to me is they were doing it as a live mix so everything was just going in as one track and Mm -hmm. they were recording it and they were only going to do one take yeah is what it sounded like Mm -hmm. 
Um, which is an awesome gimmick if you want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it's just super risky. Which is, I guess, why everyone liked the albums because it was super risky and like, oh my god, no one would ever do that. Yeah. Um, you just have to be willing for five seconds of your song to get covered up. Mm-hmm. Um, which is cool. Like that's something to me with the experimental music that I like. Like I love that. That's some John Cage stuff. That like, <laughs> you know. Oh, man, that is so John Cage. He has a whole big, long spiel in some YouTube video somewhere about how, like, the sounds of the street is music, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, it's not an alien idea. Um, For that style of music, I, I don't think that anyone would do it normally. Like, it would definitely be some sort of weird experimental conceptual something. Not singer-songwriter it wouldn't, pop. It wouldn't be singer-songwriter indie pop. And if it was, it would be super orchestrated. It'd be like, we did it in the park and we got a permit. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not to say I didn't like the idea in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I really dug it and I think that people should do that. Yeah. Um, just when you start looking at it practically. It's like, oh, no, you'd yeah. want all these other things to happen and the cops would probably show up as you were setting up. Um... Yeah. People, you know, would be screaming out their windows at you. Yeah, that actually happened. Which did actually yeah. happen, right? And, the, and then Mark Ruffalo goes back five more minutes. So yeah. I wonder if that actually was in the song. It would have had to have been. It would have had to have been, at least, you know, in the background. Which is, like, part of the beauty of the thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's the, that was the argument for it, is, yeah. is that... It would be unpredictable, which for that style of music, it's nice to have something that's unpredictable every once in a while, you yeah. know? Um, so, yeah. Um, so, they, <coughs> the, the musicians that they used, they used, um, like, classical, like, vi- yeah, they used like, a violinist. Yeah, like art students. They had, yeah. like, a violinist and a cellist, and then... A seats. pianist. Celos. Celos. Oh yeah, the pianist was from. Uh, that dance was school. probably one of the funniest moments of the movie to me when Mark Ruffalo walks into this little girl's ballet class. Oh yeah. Puts his business card on the piano and says something like, "Hey, we're making an he album." He just whispers something in his ear. I don't think you even hear it. And then the guy, like, he looks over his shoulder at the girls dancing. He stands up. He takes the business card. He says, good luck, girls. And then he leaves. Yeah. <laughs> that was so funny to me. Like, he just abandoned Shiv and he didn't know anything about what this album was. But. Yeah. Which is cool. Like, that that owns a lot to, like, what that character is. Like, we don't get any characterization from any of these people. They're essentially yeah. extras. But, like, mm-hmm. yeah, that was that was cool. Like, little little subtle elements of world building. Because you know that that guy's been doing that for, like, five years. Yeah, just waiting just for his big break. And he's just like, oh, God, if I have to play the same song over and over. <laughs> Yeah, that was good. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a little iffy to me the whole CeeLo thing because I think this was filmed around the time he had his whole big legal scandal and he got fired from The Voice and everything. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so just seeing him just sort of like gave me the heebie-jeebies and it sort of took me out of what that part of the movie. What was his legal scandal? He, I think he date raped a woman or something. Oh, well, maybe he's crazy. Okay. Narl's Barkley reference. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was like, it was really like I was just uncomfortable throughout that whole part uh, of the movie. So was, well, I mean, he just makes people uncomfortable. Yeah, he's 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 a little slimy. He's a weird dude. Yeah. He's eccentric. Yeah. People aren't ready for an eccentric <laughs> rapper man. No. That's why Tech Nine 
is has not broken into the mainstream yet. Um, before we get into trivia, yes, I want to I want to just bring up one thing real quick. Okay. Um, this happens a lot in movies where there's artists, mm-hmm. and it's weird because I'm a I'm an air quotes artist, right? Yes. Um, having the movie tell me over and over and over how good the artist is, right? Like, mm. Karen Knightley's not a bad singer, and, you know, the songs aren't bad or anything, but the way that everyone was like, oh my god, like, she's the one. Well... Well, the record label guy didn't think that. Well, no, that's true. But Mark Ruffalo did. And just the fact that how during the credit scene, the, the album blew up as soon as they put it online and stuff like that. And nobody at the bar at the beginning was paying any attention to her. That's true. But like as soon as soon as maybe this movie's not as big of a culprit, but it made me think of a mm-hmm. thing like this happens in like not just with musicians, but with any sort of artist, right? Like painters or poets or writers or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? Um, especially, especially with writers in movies where there's writers like student writers and they like read something that's like totally banal to use that word again. Mm -hmm. And they're like, this is really good. Like you, you could go somewhere with this. And I'm like, no, sorry, bud. Like you can't like you wouldn't make it through an MFA. Like, (laughs) nah. Um, but yeah, like, so even, so maybe it wasn't all the characters, but like James Corbin and and Mark Ruffalo were like, dude, like you're really good. Yeah. You're I'm like, no, but she's not. Like, if I heard her in a bar, I would re- react most much the same way that everyone else in the bar did, which was to politely clap when her song was done and say, okay, well, let's see who's on next. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, she's a singer-songwriter. She's a girl with an acoustic guitar who's sad. Like, I could I could spend five minutes in downtown Grand Rapids and find one who's just as good. Probably true. Um. Which is just, like, that comes with the territory. Like, if you're going to make a movie about a musician, like, it's hard to make them seem brilliant without making them as weird as Frank, right? Because no one's questioning whether or not Frank is brilliant because... Right. And, you know, like, we're told plenty of times during that movie that Frank is brilliant, but, like, just to see him work and the fact that he's got a big old paper mache head and says weird things, like, oh, yeah, this dude's on a whole other level. But, like... Being told that someone has that it factor, like, doesn't do it for me, usually. like the, You have to see it. The movie, for me, definitely wasn't about her being a great musician. No. Um, because, like, it's not like I heard that, you know, music in the movie and, like, I haven't listened to the soundtrack or anything. Like, I've listened to the Frank soundtrack. That, side note, that song, the song that adam levine's character sings at the end that mm-hmm. he and greta wrote together yeah that was like an like an emmy nominated song or, was it? or an oscar nominated song or something would be grammy grammys for music i don't know okay oscars is for movie i guess is there an oscar category for best yeah. song yeah okay i think that's what it was okay but it was like the version of like it was a duet version which never oh i guess it does happen in the movie. happens in the youtube video thing yeah okay anyway. i mean yeah well you know like, that's fine. Like, it's just hard to do that. Like, you know, it's hard. It's hard. Which, is, you know, I never liked shows like The Voice or, or American Idol past a certain young age. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I don't, 
I don't know. The the it factor, you know, doesn't really exist. No? No, I don't think it does. Like, someone doesn't have it, you know? Someone is good or, or they're bad or they're talented or they're not or they're growing and developing. But this idea that someone can be, like, an American Idol or someone who, like, has that, like, it that's so special, like... That's not a thing that, like, a hundred people out of a million have, and you just need to find those hundred people. It's something that's super-duper-duper rare. Like, the Beatles had it, you know? But that's because there was, like, no one around them who was doing... Like, there was, there was so, so many, like, fewer things, you know? Like, in our increasingly um, oversaturated musical world, like, that it doesn't exist... And if it does, it's just beige, you know? Like, the thing about American Idol, why he, none of those people appeal to me is not because they're bad artists or anything or bad performers or whatever. It's because if you get a million people in a room and you say, everyone has to agree on one favorite color, it's going to be white or beige or gray <laughs> or, or something really, like, neutral and mellow that everyone can agree on mm-hmm. because everyone has to agree on it, you know? Like... I don't know. For for me, like that doesn't like work for me. So like having having music, movies like this, I tend to need more than just oh my god, this person is so talented, which this movie did have. So I'm not bringing this up because of this movie particularly mm-hmm. being annoying in that way, but because it made me think of other movies that are like that. It's fair. All right, are we ready for some trivia time? Yes. Okay. So, Kira Knightley had to learn to play the guitar for the role, and her husband, musician James Wrighton, offered his help. However, according to Knightley herself, his lessons were atrocious for their relationship and almost led to, quote, a divorce and murder, end quote. I believe it. Remember that time you tried to teach me algebra? Yeah. Yes. That might have actually ended in murder. (laughs) Um, A fair amount of the dialogue in this film is improvised. I believe it. I believe it too. This is something that I was going to say earlier. The house that is given to Greta and Dave in New York is the real house of Adam Levine and his wife, Bahati Prince Lou. Okay. (sighs) No, but is it just, did you see how cool that house was? It was. They had a big swing in it. Yeah, it was a, it was a fancy New York loft apartment thing penthouse it was so cool yeah it was dope and they have a baby now in real life okay also something i was going to say earlier dan's last name is mulligan a mulligan in a game happens when a player gets a second chance to perform a certain move or action Uh, the practice is also sometimes referred to as a do-over this is similar to the title and overall premise of the film getting a second chance how cute I like stuff like that. But I don't think we ever learned that his last name was Mulligan, so that's why I like it. I might have said it once or twice. Or it might just be in the credits. In the scene where Greta and Dan have dinner at a small cafe before Dan storms out, Knightley's mother, Charmin McDonald, makes a cameo appearance as a customer at the table directly behind them. Hmm. Scarlett Johansson was cast in the lead role but dropped out. Good. Yeah. She wouldn't have been good for this movie. The red electric guitar um, Dave plays at the end of the movie is Adam Levine's actual guitar that he plays at concerts. Okay. The Electric Lady Recording Studio 
was also featured in Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Did you ever see that movie? Nope. I but did. I like Rick Late. A lot of good stuff is recorded there in real life. Um, blah, blah, blah. Director John Carney told Variety in an interview that he considered casting a pop singer as Greta James, including Adele. Oh my god! <laughs> I would love to be in your movie! <laughs> That's how she sounds when she talks. And it would have been awful. Yes. She's not... I don't know. I mean, she might be a great actress. I'm glad that they didn't cast a pop star. Me too. You know, I'm also glad that they didn't cast some nobody actress too, who they would have then subsequently tried to careen mm-hmm. into a, 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 a cynical money grab pop star career. Definitely. I think Kira Knightley was wonderfully casted and i don't know if i've ever said that before in my life about kira knightley yeah or even thought it okay um the original working title of the film was can a song save your life is it just a rule in movies that the original working title has to be stupid i don't know because every time i read trivia about like the original working title of this was blah blah it's always so dumb both Keira Knightley and Mark Ruffalo were nominated for Best Actor and Actress in a Supporting Role in the 87th Academy Awards, but not for these roles. Oh. Adam Levine and CeeLo Green were both judges on The Voice together. Mm-hmm. In May of 2016, director John Carney told The Independent that while he considered Mark Ruffalo to be a great actor and Adam Levine a joy to work with, he didn't like Keira Knightley's performance in this film under his direction. Huh. Carney said in the interview that, quote, It's not like I hate the Hollywood thing, but I like to work with curious, proper film actors as opposed to movie stars, and I learned that I'll never make a film with supermodels again. End quote. He later apologized and recanted his statement. Is she a supermodel? I don't think so. Oh, he was just being sexist or something? Probably. Uh, okay. I mean, at least it's not Lars von Trier. N- oh? Well, Lars von Trier's been known to have some gaffes. Um, during some Q&A at Khan for Melancholia, he's like, yeah, I can understand Hitler. Oh my God. <laughs> um, there was another one where he got like persona non grata during, I think for Antichrist for saying another thing about like the Holocaust, I think too, like saying something like he didn't think it was that bad maybe or something. Oh my God. Um, huh. Yeah. What a what a lovely fellow he sounds. And like. you know, also he he made the Nymphomaniac movies, which are we we should watch those for this show and then have a big long discussion at whether or not they're feminist. Let's do it. Okay. Okay. Am I going to make you watch Nymphomaniac part part one and two? We should watch the director's cuts are on Netflix. I could spend six hours with you watching Nymphomaniac. Okay. All right. All right. Um. When they record the first live song outside, one of the children playing in the alley is Mark Ruffalo's son, Keen. Aww. Aww. And my last bit of trivia for you. Fittingly, the album that Greta releases at the end of the film is titled The Great Outdoors. Good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Should have been called Into the Wild and then she could have died at the end. Oh, oh Spoilers for Into the <laughs> Wild. Oh, no. <laughs> it's not like that's a thing that happened in real life or anything. <laughs> really, it did. Oh, my God. 
do you have any final thoughts you would like to let be known if that was that was that was bad yeah especially since you're moving the microphone all over <laughs> your face i'm sure that sounds real well on the recording <laughs> um well if you haven't seen the movie already i guess unhear what you just heard and go see it I, you know i don't think this is a movie that necessarily like is ruined if you spoil it no um as you know it's not quite gone girl in terms of story complexity true it's a light fun fluffy movie and that's great if you're a person like me who likes to power through all three <laughs> human centipede movies in one oh, sitting God. um i think you should I see did it not partake in that <laughs> i think people should see it i think it's a good movie i think kira knightley did a really good job um director be damned and i think mark ruffalo is a joy to behold um yeah i like mark ruffalo he's great he's great he he seems like a dude i could have lunch with yeah you know like i feel like he's like i don't know we need more actors like mark ruffalo that are just like normal dudes yeah. you know like because there's lots of roles that like call for a normal dude um and we just don't have a lot of actors that can fit that anymore you know like right. like who else could do that like George Clooney can't do that. No. Like Ryan Gosling can't be a normal dude. Like he's got to be kind of quirky and weird. That. Channing Tatum doesn't even look like a real person. <laughs> no. Um, um, Channing Tatum looks like he was grown in a lab <laughs> by like a horny milf and like two men who had never really interacted with women but thought they knew what women wanted. Like that's what Channing Tatum looks like. Oh, we should we should write Channing Tatum a fan letter and just tell him that. I think he's a great actor. <laughs> you know, I just feel like he's not a real person. Like, mm. I feel like he's, you know, I feel like he was sculpted by, by, by like a blind person who was <laughs> described by a real horny person what he thought women wanted. Okay. Yeah, but no, definitely. There aren't a lot of average Joe kind of guys. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean, like, everybody in Hollywood is too elevated or they're, something they're just too yeah they're too beautiful they're too weird looking mark ruffalo just seems like someone's dad yeah you know someone's dad who's got a talent and that talent is acting mm -hmm. and so he, he goes and he acts i feel like michael keaton is like that too uh -huh. like you look at michael keaton you know you watch birdman oh, and and you're like man he, like you. he's got no chin like how <laughs> did he become an actor he has no chin um do you remember that really big, long conversation we had with your roommate back in college about we yes. were trying to name and I stand ugly by people it. in Hollywood? <laughs> no, no star, no, yeah, no star that has been on the rise since like 2006 is an ugly star. You will never get another <laughs> leading actor who looks like Steve Buscemi again. And you can take that to the bank. If you'd like to find the show, it's on iTunes. Go ahead and give us a five-star review. And uh, you can email the show at sharingeverythingshow at gmail.com, right? Correct. Do we have any emails? We have an email. We do? No. Oh, I thought you meant, do we have an email account? No. Like, did, <laughs> has anyone emailed the show? On I this? have not checked. Oh. All right. I don't think we've ever said the email on, on the we show ever no. before, ever. No. So. Um, yeah. Um. So what are you planning to show me next week? Well, probably not Nymphomaniac. Okay. I might have to 
I have to ease you into that one. Okay. He said uh, with a sex pun. We are going to watch Unforgiven. Unforgiven. Or Unforgivable, Unforgiven. We'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. It's on Netflix. It's the Clint Eastwood one with uh, 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 the guy who played God. He's got a commercial out on the Were radio about the wetlands. Yes. Really? Yeah. Seriously? Oh, my God. Here. <laughs> Everyone hold on. So, there's... There is this, it's, it's a national, if you, if you listen to Westwood One broadcasts of sports games, specifically Sunday night football, which one, just do something better with your life. <laughs> Two, um, there is a commercial, it's a 30 second commercial with Morgan Freeman in the wetlands, and it sounds like he went to the freaking Everglades and on his cell phone literally called it in. <laughs> Literally phoned it in because <laughs> it's like I'm Morgan Freeman and the wetlands are a wonderful recess. And I'm like, dude, go to a recording studio. <laughs> it sounds so awful and it's been there for months. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, like the sound quality is so bad. And like, you know, when that ad is going to come because like immediately you just start to hear audio ar- artifacting. Anyway, see you next week, everybody. Well, we got a thing to say. <laughs> say the thing. Until we watch Unfirmed Keep mm-hmm. talking, keep laughing, and keep sharing. <laughs> <laughs>